Hello and welcome to another edition of Clutching at Crumbs, the Creativity Isolation Podcast. My name is Kevin Boris. Today I've been joined by Trish Augustine, who is a singer-songwriter based in New Brunswick in Canada. Trish, how are you doing? Pretty good, and you? Yes, thank you. Surprisingly okay. I'm glad, glad you are too. Now, Trish and I met virtually um, only a couple of weeks ago. Some of the people I've been on this programme with, uh, I've known for 30 years. Trish and I have known each other for two weeks. Um, there's a, a Facebook page called Viral Jukebox, which uh, you go onto it and say, I would like to hear this song played in this style. And then someone comes on and plays it and videos it and you upload it. So I saw Trish doing a fantastic version of Hallelujah, the Jeff Buckley kind of version. Um, uh, and, and really liked it, so I really liked it. She said, well, did anyone, can anyone do Karma Police by Radiohead in any style? Well, yes, I did an acapella version, and we kind of met through that. So here we are. So, Trish, thank you for doing that. That's how we met in a very, very modern way. Um, so what's your musical background? Because I really I enjoyed your singing. Your guitar playing was great, and I, just, I know you've, you kind of underplayed it, but you got a lot <laughs> of likes from that, on, on that, on the Hallelujah thing. You got a lot of likes on that. So what's your musical background who are your kind of heroes i don't want to know about influences because we can, we can discuss that but inspirations to make what, what who got you to take up guitar in the first place well really um guitar was always something i really wanted to learn and growing up and i would always hear these amazing solos coming out of these guitar players and i'm just like wow i want to do that and uh, I quickly learned that my fingers are just too stupid to do those things. <laughs> so every time I picked up a guitar, I would always quickly put it back down just as quickly as I picked it up. And I, I would get so frustrated so quickly. I only owned my very first guitar uh, when I was 13. My, my brother had bought me a guitar uh, from a friend of his. And it was my very first electric guitar. I still have it. It's, it's got no strings on it. It's pretty busted up, but I still have it. Um, just you know something as a little memorabilia yeah um but uh growing up it was always listening to those classic rock songs listening to uh, the grunge of the 90s really inspired me to uh, something something with music anything um and i'm not I, I never really learned how to properly play guitar i only started to teach myself maybe back in 2015 I picked it up put it down again and by 2017 I could play a couple of chords and I'm like wow look at me I could play a song I, I'm doing okay so uh, I'm, I'm still I'm very very um, if I had more time to put into it I really would but I, I do it because it's fun I do it because I want to be able to sing and have something to accompany me and if I can make it sound good together then I've achieved something <laughs> Well, yeah, people seem to like that. I mean, that's the, you look at that, that viral jukebox, obviously no one can be unkind. You have to thank people. But you got a lot of likes on that because it's just, you just played it in such a nice, a nice kind of simple way. And it was, wasn't, it was a, it's a very complicated song, Hallelujah, because it's 14 verses and no choruses and stuff. And you hear the Jeff Buckley version, it's just, it's really difficult to play. Um, but you, I mean, I know you kind of downplay your own ability, but you, you can go onto Spotify and listen to your stuff. So you, you, you are part of a, a Canadian collective that put an album out or, 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 or seven track EP. Yes. Uh, talk about that because yeah. I really like that. Let's, I'm going to we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll play, we'll play a track off that in a minute. Yeah. Um, well, back in 2017, I had the chance to go to a songwriter workshop in a First Nation community that I live nearby. 
Mentepednagia, which is Red Bank, uh, that's here in New Brunswick. And uh, I was invited with other singers, songwriters. Some of these people have been doing this for years. This is their life. It was very, you know, I'm just somebody who just like, I like to write down some notes and, and, and here's a song and here you go. I like poetry. Like I, I've never been somebody who's been professional at, I, I think, anything. Um, <laughs> all the way. Um, so when I came in and I'm seeing these people that have, have been doing this for a while, to be able to create with them, it was a really great opportunity, but it was because of um, the collaboration between Arts NB, which is our arts board. They, uh, they promote the creation of different uh, arts in our province. And Music Nomad, which is a nonprofit organization for Canada, they bring together different artists of uh, different uh, Indigenous backgrounds. Um, so we have most of the people that are part of Music Nomad, they they're they're all they all have their indigenous backgrounds. They they have different styles. They could be um, like uh, Inuit singers. They could be like me, just uh, somebody who's just kind of into pop. And then we have people who are hip hop artists from all different communities all over Canada. It's really great to see them all together to see your own people really making something their traditional sounds and and it's it's a really great opportunity to to see that um so when we got together in uh Mithipagnagiag, we had our um we had our three-day it was like a little three-day uh, crash course in songwriting and uh composing and and collaboration so we came up that weekend with about four or five different songs between two or three groups. Uh, and then they did another weekend of that, which is where they got some more songs out of that. And then they took those, they took the favorite songs out of both weekends and they put them together on the album. And that's what you've heard. So it's a great album. It's, um, it's hard to find on Spotify because there's so many artists on it, but it's, uh, what's it's, so it's, it's with music. Music Nomad. Music so. Nomad, yeah. There's, there's six, six tracks, isn't it? So um, before we go any further, we're going to play a track now. Um, so this is uh, from Music Nomad. It's called She's My Muse. Now you told me about, off air, you told me the history of this song. Do you want to talk about that or do you want to just play it? Sure. Um, this was actually the, the very first instance I've ever recorded professionally a song I had never stood in front of a professional recording mic before I had never tried to add vocals to anything um it was a very scary time and I I just kept I'm sorry I'm messing up every two seconds um but we had um uh one of the people from Music Nomad his name's Simon Walls we believe it's Simon Walls he um he's he gave us the rundown here's what we're gonna do we got 15 minutes you two you're the first two people here. You're going to write a first song for the album. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I, I started jotting down some ideas. Uh, and Matt, Matt is the, who did the singing and the performing, the guitar performance on there. Um, he wrote down some stuff and we kind of started bouncing things off of each other. And he's like, I can't, I can't seem to just, you know, put this together. And I'm like, what about this? And then within, you know, 15 minutes, we had our song. 
so he just kept playing on the guitar and I just kept jotting down whatever came to mind. And before we knew it, we had something that made sense. It's <laughs> a lovely song. So we're going to play that. So this is Trish Augustine and Matt Como uh, from the Music Nomad album. This is called She's My Muse. <laughs> Comes to me in the weirdest ways. Her eyes sparkle with the light of fire. I waited for her all my life, but she don't care. I came for her, but she wasn't there. No other woman brings me to my knees. I'm on the ground and I'm begging, please. She's my muse, there's no other girl. I searched all across this world. I spent an eternity trying to make her see that I couldn't make her life complete. If she'd just come home to me She plays her games with those other guys But I can see right through her lies I don't mean a thing to her anymore But I'll never forget that night we met I exist But Lord, I need her on a night like this She's my muse, there's no other girl I've searched all across this world I spend an eternity trying to make her see couldn't make her life complete if she'd just come home to me. She's my muse, there's no other girl. And I've searched all across this world. I'll spend an eternity trying to make her see that I couldn't make her life complete. She just come home to me That's annoying. Someone just, uh, someone just sent me a friend request on Facebook. I forgot to turn my volume off on my Facebook thing. Never mind, doesn't matter. We'll carry on. So my friend Stephen Potter is uh, editing this. Stephen, can you get rid of that noise? I'm sure you can't. Never mind. Right, okay, we'll cancel it back in there. Right, three, two, one. And that was um, Trish Augustine and Matt Como with a track called She's My Muse from the Music Nomad album. Do go and find it on Spotify. It's a great listen. Six tracks, completely different sort of styles of music. 
and uh, a lovely listen. Nice way to spend half an hour. Um, so we were talking about influence now. In terms of you grew up listening to to music, and we were talking before. Or, well, when we met last week, we were talking about people that we we, all, we both liked. And you mentioned John Prine. Of course, sadly, John Prine has died since we started talking about him, um, which is very obviously very sad. And one of the one of the high profile coronavirus deaths, sadly. So, um, what? How has he influenced your musical thinking rather than playing? Uh, what I really appreciated about John Prine is that he wasn't out to be a millionaire. He wasn't out to uh, you know try and and change the world. He was just he was just a guy just writing some songs that really made him reflect on his life and, and, and put out what he really enjoyed. And so it was always good to, to hear those kind of folks that you really had to pay attention to, to really break down what he was talking about. You know, as a child, maybe, you know, growing up, sometimes you hear these things on the radio and you're like, it doesn't really make sense. And then when you grow up and you really, you start to understand the music, you've become an adult and you're like, ah, I get it now. So <laughs> he was, uh, he was one of my, my favorites to listen to. I'm, I always say, I hate country music. I hate country music, but you'll catch me listening to folk. And I mean, it's not too far different. So yeah, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's not blurry. But you think you can look at, you listen to any kind of music and there's, there's roots of other music in there, isn't there? There's a new, new mm-hmm. Pearl Jam, if you like Pearl Jam, there's a new Pearl Jam album um, come out last week. There's a track on there called Dance of the Clairvoyance that sounds like it could be, it's like it's a dance track. It could be a Britney Spears or a, or a Taylor Swift track. And you think, well, it's not that much difference. There's only, there's only so many chords. I, mean, I remember Kurt mm-hmm. Cobain saying the difference between what he does or what he, he did and basically pop music was he did it louder. And that was it. Like, he just said, it's loud pop music. That's all it is now. I mean, you, you reduce music down to that basic level and it is all the same. But yeah, you can say, I don't like this, I don't like that kind of music. But there's little things that hook you and then you're stuck. I mean, I, I, the first band I ever got into really properly was, was Marillion. In like the, uh, no, probably ACDC first. The first record I ever bought was a seven-inch single, Touch Too Much, ACDC. Okay. Got, into, got into them and then three weeks after I bought the record, the singer died. Bon Scott died. And you think, okay, well... It's just, I'm, am I going to be unlucky here? And then I, so every band I liked after that, I was hoping that people weren't going to have sort of difficulties. But that, that was, that's 40 years ago, so that's a vast amount of time. But you, you can't just like one type of music over 40 years. You, got, oh, no, not it's, you look at my CD collection, you, you think it was 15 people's different CD collections because I've got so much interesting stuff. I've got some folk stuff, I've got classical stuff. Most, most of it is hard rock and indie or alternative and indie if you read iTunes, but hey, it's music at the end of the day. So would you like to play a song? Would you like to play a John Prine song in tribute to him? I, I really would love to. Uh, okay, John Prine, I'm, I think I'm going to try the first song that I ever learned how to play on the guitar. Um, and it was by John Prine. It, it's, it's called Christmas in Prison. And uh, Cheery, a nice cheery hat. <laughs> Um, I fell in love with the song just for the simple fact of the way that he sings it. Uh, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason any other than I just love the way he sounds on the track. Um, and, uh, it just always hooked me in. A lot of his songs are the very basic, uh, chord progressions with, you know, C, G, B, you know, the same thing over and over. Yeah. But it was, uh, late great 
Tom Petty, I believe, that said, you only need four chords in your story, and, and that's your song. So Three chords and the truth, isn't it? Is that how it works? <laughs> Something like that. If you'll just excuse me, I'm just going to grab my guitar. version of the John Prine classic Christmas in prison, a cheery song. Lovely. That was really, really nice. I hope people listen to this and think, you're, so you're not a professional musician, you're not a professional singer, but, no. it, well, you've done a good, you've done a very good impression of one anyway. That's, that was lovely. So <laughs> in terms of your, so that's your musical past, growing up listening to music, I guess you grew up in a house full of music with your parents and siblings, yeah? Yeah, um, my dad was always singing something, some kind of folksy song around the house. Uh, my mom wasn't really big into singing, but she was always playing something that always had a lot of rhythm. Same with my brother. They were always listening to lots of nice, uh, a different, I guess they, they both had their own tastes, right? So I got to have a good variety of music. Uh, my dad, he loves Waylon Jennings and John Prine and, and that sort of genre. Whereas my mom, she's more into uh, the more upbeat stuff of today, uh, you know, anything that's got a nice beat to it. 
my brother at the time when he was living home, uh, when we were kids, it was always about the bass, bass, bass all the time. So um, I guess I just kind of navigated through those things and found out where I, uh, where I belonged on the musical spectrum. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's a, everyone I've spoken to who's a musician has, has grown up in a house of music. It doesn't matter what. It's normally not the same kind of stuff they've played. They've grown up listening to choral music or they've grown up listening to classical music. That's what their parents were like and maybe rebelled against it, got into punk. And then a few years later, when they're in their 30s and 40s, and in some cases 50s, they've picked up on their, their parents' stuff. And they're like, oh, actually, that would be nice. They kind of, you almost dislike what your parents like because it's your parents, regardless yes. of whether it's good or not. You know, I can't like what my dad likes. That's just not right, doesn't it? How could it? But it's, it's, it's good music. My kids do. My youngest son, who's 18, is into kind of, uh, well, yeah, grime and drill, which is, I don't know if that's got as far as Canada, but it's kind of kind of unpleasant, <laughs> unpleasant rap stuff, gang-related. He's not in the gang, thank God, but it's, yeah, it's, it's not my kind of stuff. My eldest son is into a lot of stuff that I've played him over the years, and all of a sudden he's picked up and discovered, in inverted commas, a band that I, I played him when he was 10. I, I played you that 12 years ago. Oh, sorry. So his, his favourite band in the world is Ruben, who only made three albums. Um, and their singer, guitarist, Jamie Lenman, who's also a cartoonist, that's his, that's his favourite artist. And I, I, I bought the first Ruben album in 2002, when he was five. So it's completely, so he's gone back and found that stuff. Now he, like a band like Poison the Well, he's a huge fan of Poison the Well, because he heard me playing it in the car once and really liked it when he was a kid. And it's kind of stayed with him. So thankfully, he hasn't dismissed his parents' musical, <laughs> musical taste. He's actually embraced it, which is nice. So what are you, what's, what's now? Obviously, you're going to be, as we all are, at home for some time. What are you doing musically now? Are you looking at doing more stuff, more collaborative things, or maybe branch out on your own? Maybe you've got a bit more confidence in your ability. Now you're getting all these sort of uh, plaudits on Facebook. Well, for sure that I'd like to do something else uh, with other people. Um, I was looking into going back to Twitch and maybe just having fun on there. Uh, I really, I really just enjoy just creating just so somebody can say, Hey, I heard that and it sounded really nice. Um, I, I, I just, it makes me happy when somebody is happy about something that I made. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just like, it's like watching people eat your food. You're like, hey, you really liked it. Thank you. I, I worked really hard on that. But, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I worked hard on it. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's a very good point. That you feel happy when you've, when you've made someone happy. Exactly. I, I used to, again, hard to believe podcasting is my job. I know it sounds crazy. Um, in the old dim, dim and distant days of the late 90s, oh, sorry, sorry, late 80s, early 90s, I, I was a stand-up comedian. Again, hard to believe. But when you stop doing it, and I stopped doing it because I was in a band as well, and I had the choice of doing comedy or music full-time, and I did music and soccer journalism at the same time. It was kind of a strange bedfellow. But I did actually miss, when you do a song, you said six, seven-minute song in our case, it was a seven-minute gap where you think, I hope people like this. But when you do a comedy, it's every 20, 30 seconds you get a laugh, or maybe if you're lucky but that that the endorphins of someone laughing is it, it's exactly what you just said i've i've thought of a joke i've written it down i've said it to someone and then 60 people have laughed at it that that's hard to replace so of course everyone now doesn't have that kick of that instant gratification you play a song people applaud now you're having you play a song on video or on facebook and you get comments in a few hours time it's kind of a strange 
time we're having to learn how to appreciate ourselves rather than just being appreciated exactly um i find um it's the the age of social media has continued the instant gratification for some people because viral videos you've seen people start an entire career just off of a viral video yeah uh and it it's amazing i um i don't i don't ever see myself creating an entire career off of any viral videos um i just see it as a great way to try and maybe meet a couple of people i didn't know before you know <laughs> yeah. similar to what uh to what we have going on here now so uh, it's it's it, it's a I'm, I'm during the quarantine i'm right now because I'm studying to be uh, I mean, I'm actually studying in animation and graphic design Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, I've been doing illustrations and, and work like that and uh, it's really nice that I can have that creative outlet of music and art at the same time because it's just it, it's yes we're in quarantine but I'm having constant fun so it doesn't feel like a chore <laughs> Uh, no, that's a good point because that's why I call this um, sort of uh, I, sort of creativity in isolation podcast because all the people I've been speaking to are creative. Obviously, there's some musicians. I'm going to speak to a comedian shortly. I've spoken to a magician and an author, and everyone's approaching it differently. The author um, during lockdown has managed to finish a book that he was worried about not finishing because he has a full time job as well. Yeah. So he thought, okay, well, if I can't go anywhere, rather than do gardening and stuff, which he's not really into, I will finish my book. And he's written about 14,000 words of his, of his book and finished it and got it, publishers never proved it. So he wouldn't have got that done. So obviously there's no, there's no upside to what's going on. It's horrific. But everyone's got to make of it what they can. And then we're all do, I'm, I'm doing this because it's good fun. I'm, I'm doing a, a, uh, um, a radio show about soccer and I'm doing this and it's fun. I'm not earning any money from it, but it's keeping us occupied and it gets through each day nearer the time when we can get back to whatever normal is. And you're doing, you're doing this on the other, and the other stuff you're creating. It's, it's important to keep going, isn't it? Because otherwise it's a very depressing time, isn't it? Exactly. Um, and it, it, keeps, it keeps me entertained, but we need entertainment right now. We need any form of entertainment, anything that is not the virus, anything that can just for one second break your mindset of there is a virus and we have to be quarantined yes if you could just laugh for a second or just stop for a second and go wow that was great then it's gonna be so yes it's 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 vital it's vital right now that we find as many artists as possible and collaborate or just put it out there just get them known and, and have their art seen or heard or whatever outlet they have yeah, no, it's, it's, it's different kinds of collaborative arts going to come out of this, whether it's said people writing a different chapter of, a, of books or making music together when you've not met each other, that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's, again, no positives, but if something can change out of it, then, you know, then that's, that's, the, that's the tiny positive that we maybe sort of think about things in a different way, which is a horrible way to do it. But, hey, someone said this is nature resetting itself. Not sure about that, but I can... I can see the argument. Anyway, well, yeah, and it's, go on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's helping people realize what is actually important in your day-to-day life. Because maybe before the lockdown, you've been looking 
thing was getting up and getting that morning cup of coffee at that particular coffee spot and sitting in traffic for 20 minutes. But then you've just demonstrated for the past month that you've been able to be home, make your own cup of coffee and get a lot more things done. And it's like, do I really need to stress myself over something that I can be replaced the next day for? Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it's that I talked to a friend of mine who works in London and he always buys, as you said, a coffee from the same place. It's four pounds. He buys a coffee on the way to work. He buys a coffee on the way home. So he's spending eight pounds a day, which is 40 pounds a week or 160 pound a month on coffee. And he's got a jar of coffee at home that lasts him for three months that costs seven pounds. Exactly. So why are people doing that? And he says, I don't, I didn't need it. I don't miss it. He has, the, he has the same coffee, but he makes it with his own spoon, his own coffee in his own mug in his own kitchen. And you're saving yourself all this money. You just suddenly realize that's a lot of money. 160 mm-hmm. pounds a month in, you know, so Canadian dollars, that's what, 300? Not far off. Oh, <laughs> Probably something like that. If you, if you uh, thought $300 in, in front of you and said, right, you're going to spend all that on coffee this month, you think, no, why would I do that? And people yeah. do, it's a normal thing to do. So anyway, life is, life is mm-hmm. changing a lot. And hope, hopefully in some ways, at some point for the good. So thank you, Trish, for joining me. Really appreciate the, the chat. Thanks for taking time. Nice to have met you via uh, a nice sort of social social thing that we did together um so you're going to play us out now with another john prine song which is this one yes uh, i'm going to play unwed fathers by john prine okay go for Smoky Mountain 
daddy never meant to hurt you ever. Just don't live here, but you got his eyes. From a teenage lover to an unborn mother, covers like some bad dream. Father, we can't be.